Welcome to this week's episode of the Stop, Pause, Think, Now Act podcast, the conversations that matter with me, your host, Joanne Robillard, and this week's guest, Mike Madden from CrossFit 3D. Firstly, let me tell you about Mike, aka Madden, as he's known in the industry, gym owner and coach. Mike has been coaching people to get fit and healthy for over 12 years. During this time, he's also worked as an educator in the fitness industry, helping hundreds of fitness professionals improve their knowledge and coaching skills. Mike has coached people from various backgrounds and abilities, from athletes and fitness professionals to moms, dads and office workers. Mike's passion has always been in helping and teaching ordinary folk just how extraordinary they can be with a bit of help and guidance. His interests are being a dad, 80s music, and modelling his hair colour on the legendary Philip Schofield. Good morning, Mike. Hi, Joe. I'm glad you got my hair in there. <laughs> oh, it's on your bio. Did you know that was on your bio or somebody snuck that in? No, uh, that must be an old bio because it said 12 years. So I'm like, well, I've got four years since then. So well, <laughs> I need to... As soon as, you... <laughs> as soon as I read 12 years, I'm like, I'm sure it's 16 years. It is 16, so that means I've, I need to massively update my bio because I'm actually whiter than I was there with my hair, so I'm definitely full Philip Schofield now. So 16 years in the fitness industry, Mike, what is the biggest change you have seen in the industry over that 16-year period? Uh, I mean, it's just a technological revolution. It's really kind of changed everything. Um, you know, I've, I've actually been married um 10 years but with my partner 16 17 years and when we met we were joking about the other day um because we didn't even have facebook at the time where we met we just uh, like using like myspace and hotmail so when when we used to when i first got into the industry to access information and access people that you really were well regarded in the industry and so forth you were buying the books Whereas nowadays, you you know, there's very rarely that people just buy the books. It's they'll listen to the podcast, they'll have a web, um, they'll have a website, and you know, people have all registered there and they've got subscriptions, and so the whole thing's changed really in the last sixteen years. I just went all I well, I heard a lot in that sentence, but one big takeaway was, did Mike Madden have a MySpace page? I don't. This is what I said to Shell. I cannot remember using MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> in other words nobody go and look for Mike Madden's MySpace page obviously yeah, we're all going to listen to this and go google it and see if we can find you okay so one <laughs> of the things that you know one of the things that we do in the world that I live in is think about your stop and your pause and your think and your action moments so Mike one of your your stop moment was becoming a, ma- a majority owner of, a, of the current gym and needing help how did it go from being a minor shareholder, PTing, running classes, to then taking over a huge gym space. Just to give the audience some idea, how big is the gym that you currently um, own? Yeah, it's a bit of a monster. It's a big 8,000 square foot unit. So it's a, it's a big old space to manage and maintain and look after, really. Yeah. And whereabouts is it based? We're in uh, we're in Trafford Park in Manchester, so just near the Trafford Centre. If anyone knows Manchester really well, but we're, yeah, we're literally in a big industrial park in uh, Manchester. Eight thousand square foot. Yeah. How did that? How did you go from doing what you were doing to running the beast that is CrossFit three D at eight thousand square feet? What was the biggest challenge? 
I think just taking the reins because I was kind of an informal gym manager years before that, uh, even yeah. before I became a shareholder. But there's a big difference between having the title of being manager and then not really having full control of the business to being a shareholder where I was I was probably the person on site the most and had the most to do with it in terms of the day-to-day running of the gym in terms of a customer-facing point of view. But behind the scenes, I had no control over any financials. I didn't really know where things were getting invested. We just assumed that was getting done. So I think, you know, obviously everybody's going through this for whole lives. Like you start off at a naive phase and you kind of a bit immature and then you grow into it. And that's where, you know, I I didn't realize until I took on the business fully as like the major shareholder, how naive and kind of immature I was in terms of my business thinking because we'd actually I'd done some big moves before that with before 3D because there's a gym in the other uh, under Manchester that I helped form and build um, from a very early standpoint and then backed out of it quite quickly when I realized that that wasn't for me because it wasn't going to be a good working relationship with my other business partner there so I kind of felt like I knew everything because I was so good at the time of just getting used to dealing with clients and bringing new clients in when I saw them. But from a marketing point of view and all the other kind of bits and bobs, I just never had, I never had full control over it. So all of a sudden the book felt with me on everything. And it was like, yeah. oh, sh- uh, you know, oh, I'm yeah, you can swear. say that word. Yeah. <laughs> we're family friendly, <laughs> but look, you know me, I drop the F-bomb quite a lot in real life, but I'm really good on here. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best for you. <laughs> and it's interesting, isn't it? One thing I know about you, Mike Madden, is you are a phenomenal trainer. You're gr- incredible at getting people fit. You're incredible at running group classes. You are, you're actually brilliant at bringing clients into your business. So you, these were all the things that you're brilliant at. And then all of a sudden you've got, had all this responsibility of the operational side of the business. And it's like, it's a baptism of fire, isn't it? It's people, when we make things look easy at the front end and then you get access to the back end, it's such a baptism of fire. What was the hardest bit of all of that for you once you got, you were in total control? Um, Well, first of all, thanks for so many superlatives describing me because I've never heard that many before. (laughs) I don't know if it was that brilliant. Um, But yeah, it's, (laughs) for me, I'm very like, in my head, I'm a deep thinker. I rationalize everything in my head constantly. Um, and I'm great at kind of creating these ideas. But in terms of implementation and just getting stuck into like nitty gritty, it's probably my worst skill set I've got. Like, I'm just, it's not me. So all of a sudden, I had to like, you know, have all the business accounts signed in my name. I had to have the accountant look at everything. Um, you know, I was in charge of just little things like the toilet rolls. And there was just, <laughs> just everything fell on my lap like there was literally everything was mine and I'd gone from knowing every member in the gym helping out teaching majority of the classes and being in charge that way and thinking well I've got this to go in right okay let's um let's start again yeah and I think you've hit the nail on the head one thing I know about you is and you know this is about giving you recognition because it's you you are a great visionary and one of the skills that you had to learn because we're going to slide into your pause moment now one of the skills that you had to learn was marrying up being a great visionary with following up with the back end of what it, what it means to make all your 
vision come to life into reality? How did, in your pause moment, how did you organise all of that? Because you talked about your pause moment being uh, prioritising better. How did you figure that out, Mike? Because it's really important for business owners to know, because this is probably one of the toughest bits about owning a business for many people. Well, I mean, to be honest, it, it was you. So, you know, <laughs> having, having, have, having you to back me up and give me business advice, like, you know, one thing that I've said to multiple gym owners over the past couple of months who are either setting up or thinking of closing down and said it for a long, long time now is you need to get help. You can't do it all on your own. You can, you, you, you can, you think you can know it all. And even in our industry, like the fitness industry, I, there's a lot of egos out there. We've all, we're all sometimes being taken down by our egos or we kind of run with them. And you've got to kind of just take a step back, take a deep breath and go, have I got this Have I, or haven't I? And I think most of us would agree that we haven't because there's always something that we can improve on. But for me, I, I, I just felt like overwhelmed. So at that point, that pause, it was having you there to help guide me through those moments of insurity and making sure that I was ticking boxes that I didn't know I had to tick. Yeah. Well, so what's the box that you didn't know you have to tick that you make sure is ticked every day now? Well, we know how much, you know, we know how many members we've got on any given day. You know, that, yeah. that, that was a number that didn't even exist until I took on the, we have a bet, we have a membership software system now. So everything runs through the software system properly. Um, it, it's everybody's integrated properly. Everyone's payments go in. So we know how much money's coming in the, the account and out the account. Whereas before that, there was multiple ways that members were paying in. So we streamlined all that. Um, there was, there was a good chunk of things that we did, but we just basically systemized the business. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you're a visionary and a creative like you are, and then you have somebody who comes in and goes, you need a system, you, from experience of being around my business for a long time, the, you, that can throw up a lot of resistance, isn't it? Because we, we oh, want to be creative. I feel like you're throwing shackles on me when you say stuff like that. And even now, because it's just not in my nature to be systemized and there's certain things that I just don't do well even now but I'm because I'm aware of the systems I know that I need to book up straight away whereas before that I didn't even know what those systems entailed and what I needed to improve on I was literally just flying by the seat of my pants and just winging it basically absolutely winging it well I think you winged it very very well yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot of big businessmen out there and women and everybody else who's just, you know, they've made it somehow. And sometimes, sometimes it was pot luck. Sometimes it was just pure passion and persistence. Yeah, yeah, resilience. Yeah, I think I think I I I'm not. You know, I'm all about taking the data and the creativity and marrying it together. You know that storytelling and data oh, yes. context has to go hand in hand it can't be purely about data i think there is absolutely moments in time where every single one of us who run businesses or we're striving on our career we've all winged it at some moment in our time and thought i'll figure this out afterwards i'm going to say yes now and we're going to figure it out and i applaud that i love people who are really courageous in that way and um, what is the one thing that you did wing that you wish you hadn't <laughs> oh God, that's a big list, Joe. <laughs> um, one thing, one thing. Um, the worst thing that I winged, 
It might actually, maybe, might actually maybe, not have been maybe the just worst getting a good, thing. The, the thing is, when, when you take everything on yourself and you're one of those people that holds on to everything because you can't trust that anyone else is going to do it for you, I wish I would have knew how to kind of get the right people in earlier on. And I'm not just talking about like having business advice off you. If I would have put a better structure in for the trainers straight away and better boundaries with my trainers so everyone knew where they stood, we may have got things off the ground a hell of a lot easier with a hell of a lot of less bumpy rides along the way. So having not only the systems for myself, but for the staff that work for me, you know, one of my, one of my things that I get wrong all the time is I expect people to do things how I do them. And that's not necessarily how people will do them. So yeah. having, having better structure for the staff, I'd say, would have been because you get there with the accounts, you get there with the system, you understand all that. You know, you're all, you're forever trying to figure out your marketing. But for yeah. me, having that structure with the team, I wish I would have had better boundaries and better structure for them at the beginning. Right answer. I, this week is our event week in the boardroom where our leadership community comes together. And interestingly, the topic this this week is boundaries. So thanks, Mike, for leading us into a very topical moment. So well, you, you the- know me. This is a big one for me. <laughs> And I'm always like, boundaries. So you're in the think now. And I think it's really one of the things that you mentioned in your thinking part when we asked you the questions was better clarity and more focus to move forward. You know, that was what you realised you needed. And you've just brought up boundaries. And what what bound what do boundaries mean to you? What do you know now about boundaries that you wish you'd have known when you thought you didn't need them? So, I mean, that, that, that's such a big question because there's so many boundaries that I've had to learn to create and put up um, for the right reasons over the years because you, you take people on as a self-employed because at my gym, we're all self-employed. I don't have any employees. Everyone comes in on a self-employed basis. And I've always been self-employed for the 16 years been pretty much in this industry. So I just assume everybody thinks like me and wants to just get on with it and, and yeah. is happy with need that. need to earn money and need to, you know, make bank and yeah, do exactly. great things. Yeah, so and that's not the case, things, is it? That's yeah, the thing that things. you and I have learned, is that that's not always the case, that people don't realise that they have to make bank and that they have to make money in order to be successful. No, I mean, some people are expecting you to do it. And I've had that in the past. And then they begrudge you when they're not making it. And part of that is my fault for not creating better boundaries in the first instance and making sure that they know what you know where, what, what we should be working on and how it's kind of their responsibility and what my responsibilities are. And I think not outlining that at the very beginning of the relationship and just expecting people to do what I did was a big mistake. Because for me, like coming to work in a gym and not having to pay rent and so forth, because I'd come from a big Globo gym. You know, Globo gym is what I call like a mainstream gym. Um, Coming from a Globo background where I paid a big rent and I had to make sure I had enough money to pay my rent before I earned any money. I, I just expected, well, everybody else will think like that. So, you know, if you come into the gym and I make life a little bit easier on that front, then everyone's going to be dead happy. But when people weren't happy and then we start encountering other problems, that became an issue. And then there was also parts of, I like to tiptoe around things or I, I like to build things up for too long. So if somebody <laughs> annoys me about, <laughs> well, you're laughing because you know it. Um, yeah, certainly like, know it. Whereas, whereas I'm like, in, in there, in the moment, 
have the communication piece and you're like, I'm just going to build up to it, Jeremy. Mike, Mike, just go and say the thing. Yeah, whereas now I will literally, if someone, if I'm not happy with something, I'll pretty much say it within the week, maybe within the moment. Whereas in the past, I'd be procrastinating about how we were going to maybe have an argument, how we were going to react with each other. And I'd let things build up to such a point where actually when I finally hit my top with that person, they didn't even realise how far it had come. So then they were really shocked and taken back where I basically offloaded and said, this is where it's at. Where if I would have had better boundaries at the beginning and let them know day by day, week by week, what was going on, then the build-up to it wouldn't have been a shock because it's already been happened and established. Whereas for me in my head, I sometimes have an argument with somebody that I've never even had. And it never even it never comes to fruition. But I've had that row in my head with that person. Yeah. And just for the audience listening, we have a tool that helps with that. It's called our Flip the Thinking Toolkit. It's free, available on our website. And Mike Madden is sent in that direction. He used to be sent <laughs> in that direction on a regular basis when he used to have these arguments because it's all about a storytelling in our heads, isn't it? We storytell in our heads and we create thoughts and feelings based on something that's never even happened yet. Yeah, I think if you're a daydreamer like me, like I was called a daydreamer all the way from my school career and, and so forth, because I am a deep thinker and it's to my detriment a lot of the time. If you just don't get out of that mind- I think I think I'm going to step in there because I think you're being very tough on yourself. I would use the word visionary and creative rather than daydreamer. Yeah, well, either one works for me. I don't mind. <laughs> I, I, I sometimes get frustrated with people who don't know how to dream. I'm like, wow, you know, like that's that's just a different mindset that I'm not used to. Yeah. But yeah. For me, like sometimes you've got to realize that some of your strengths can be used against you or you're using against yourself as a weakness. And that's just yeah. literally because you're not applying yourself the right way. So for me, like procrastinating about having a conversation with someone sometimes would make me sick for weeks because I'd be stressed out in my own head dealing with this person who was actually there going, you know, day to day through their life, not even caring. Whereas for me, it was a big build-up, so I'm losing sleep at night. I'm not engaging with the people properly. And if I would have just been better at saying, no, I don't like that, can we ever sit down and have a chat about it? would have been 10 times better if I did it straight away. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a learned behaviour, isn't it? If it's not been part of your natural DNA to do that, it can be quite tough being more direct in the way that you do things. Yeah, I mean, even now, I am... So, you know, sometimes I shock myself at how direct I've been. But I reckon in front of yourself, because I know how direct you could be, you'd be like, oh, God, mate, you could have been a bit more direct there. So there's always, there's, there's more to learn with it. But it's just, at the same time, it never goes away. Because if I'm completely honest with you, like there's been some chats I've had with team members the last couple of weeks. I've got stuff that we're dealing with now. And, you know, there's still an element of procrastination there and an element of hesitancy on some days. I'm like, oh, I don't really want to upset this person or how would they think? But I've got so much better at just saying, get it out there, get it done straight away. Because if you nip it in the bud straight away, it just it's it's a lot, it's a lot better for everyone long term because there's not any like super fallouts in the gym. You know, I've had some trainers who just didn't know any boundaries at all. And I didn't teach them boundaries. So when yeah. we got to a point where we had to like, you know, part ways it ended very badly because they didn't realize that they had stuff that they were doing to, you know, not a right professional manner. And I didn't nip it in the bud early enough and allowed behavior that I know I shouldn't allow in the facility. So, you know, there's a lot of that goes on. 
Yeah, so I just want to take us back a little bit because you talked about something really interesting when it comes to boundaries. You talked about being at the start of your career, being at a Globo gym. And the boundary there was you've got to pay this big rent. That was a boundary, wasn't it? You've got to pay this big rent. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean, so many people these days complain. I I speak to a lot of personal trainers still, and they're always upset with mainstream gyms. And I can understand why in some ways, because a lot of mainstream gyms, and this isn't all of them, I don't want to paint everybody with the same stick, but because it's such a big beast, they might not get kit fixed quick enough. They might not yeah. get the, the, the more up-to-date kit that a trainer would like in, or the, the trainer might be told that they're not allowed to use certain kit in certain ways or whatever. That's one of the things. But for yeah. me, looking back at the Total Fitness days, and I'll mention a company just because this is a positive thing. Like yeah. when I first started, they gave me a lot of structure. And also the company that was in charge of the white label and the PTs for them did, because I was told I had to have a uniform on. And I, had to, yeah. I was told I had to have a smart uniform on. It had to look smart. And I yeah. was told I had to have X, Y, Z qualifications before I came in. And then yeah. I was told when to pay my bills. And I was told... So basically, I was given structure, which we've just been speaking boundaries. about. Boundaries. Yeah, boundaries yeah. and structure. And so why, why I've come back to this is that boundary and that structure then made you really hungry for success. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. You are such a great hustler in a good way, because those boundaries, somebody said, Mike, these are the boundaries you want to be here. These are the boundaries you have to follow. This is the bill that you've got to pay at this day. You then got on your hustle and made it happen. Yeah. I mean, I, it's one of, when people say, what would you be proud of? You know, you, you know me, I'm, I'm always like struggle to say nice words about myself or whatever, but one of the things that I am. Oh, I've got plenty. Don't worry. I've got enough. <laughs> I know you are. Thank you. It's, it's good. But for me, one of the things that I am very proud of is being able to go from being a day-to-day employee at a financial services company to then taking the leap to go self-employed and not only going self-employed, but making like a, a big go of it. Like Within my first year to 18 months, I completely blew apart what I thought I was capable of. And even then, I look back at how naive and incapable I was and how much I've developed from there. But I see so many people go, oh, you can't make any money in this industry and they're leaving. And I watched how they, how they attack the industry and how they present themselves. And I'm just like, unfortunately, you didn't step into an industry that you've been able to apply yourself. And luckily, I, for me, I found an industry that I find it very easy to apply myself because I love working with people. I know that to work with people, you have to go and actually speak to them. So, you, you know, I'm, I'm quietly introverted in a lot of ways, but I know when to pull myself out of that introverted state to go and have a conversation because ultimately I've seen some really intelligent trainers not make it because they can't form relationships with people. And if you can't just go and speak to someone and have a chat, then you're always going to fail, I think, in some aspects of this business. There's always going to be a, a room for a trainer in this industry who's just super analytical, all about the data. And they'll get, you know, the, 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 people will seek them out, you know, your high-end athletes and your high-end performers and so forth. But as a whole, you've got to be able to just sit in front of that person, let them speak to you, and then understand from that, that, that dialect that you've had how you're able to help them. And I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. Oh, he's talking my language. As you know, I talk to many people, business owners, and in order for business to survive, we need to bring clients through the door. Any business that we're in, whether you're a barrister, whether you're a gym owner, a doctor, we have to bring 
people through the door and people go, oh, I don't want to sell. All selling is for me, and you've just you've just said it, is having conversations. That's totally. all selling is. Having conversations, being able to have conversations, being able to listen to that person in front of you. And you've just broken that down brilliantly. Well, you know, the, the, is it Simon Sinek, his book about the why and so forth? Yeah. There's, lots of, there's lots of books out there about these types of things. But if you, can't un, if you can't articulate to that person how you can help them and let them articulate back what they need to help. But also, so I can have a consultation in a room with somebody and I'll sit down with them and I know they're being very close. You've got to try and make them feel comfortable so they can have a bit of a chat with you. Um, mm-hmm. But then when they start telling you things like, I want to get fitter, if you just take that at face value, you've probably already lost that client or you're not going to get very far with them because if you can't hear behind that voice, it's like, well, what do you mean by fitter? Well, I want to look better. What do you mean by I want to look better? Oh, I want to look better naked. And you're like, well, if you just left it there and go, right, well, I've got a 12-week diet plan. I'm going to shred you up, and th- which is a big part of the industry that I hate. It's like, why did that person want to uh, look better naked? Yeah. Are, are they insecure? Have they got a partner that they don't feel like comfortable in front of naked? And then you've got to ask themselves some deeper, deeper questions because unless you get down to the nitty gritty with that client, you're always still beating around the bush and kind of around the peripherals where you're not getting into the true whys and wherefores, whys of that client's where where, where they think, what what yeah. their aspirations are, what makes them tick. Are they upset inside and they need to? Kind of, you could just make people happier by losing weight. But you know, you always get that person that loses a bit of light and rebounds because it's very superficial and it's it, yeah. it, it's easy come, easy go. Whereas if you can actually actually fix the way that person feels about themselves properly, then yeah. you've got a long-standing client maybe or work alongside with who like you'll gain that trust. But also you've you've created somebody that will talk about you all day long to their friends and family, and that's where your referral base comes in. So that's where you know Brilliant. a lot of my marketing has always been just word of mouth. Yeah. Because you're great at having conversations and getting under the bonnet of why do you want to change? Yeah, exactly. You know, why Why are you here? Don't tell me you want to get fit. Everyone wants to get fit and I can get you fit in, you know, six or eight weeks or whatever you want to class fitness as. But why are you really here? What made you get out of bed and walk through my doors? And especially my doors, Joe, because, you know, it's a big 8,000 square foot unit. Ooh, and- yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk well, about that. That's interesting, isn't it? Walking through that doors. How can people feel maybe walking through the doors of your gym, Mike? It's probably the hardest thing that I have still as a business because people hear CrossFit and they'll type in CrossFit on YouTube or go on the internet and so forth and they'll start building up this picture of it already. Um, So you've got to make that person feel like they're welcome when they come in and you've also got to make sure that you bring it down to we're here to help you. We're not, you know, we don't want you like that bloke in the corner with his top off throwing his what throwing the weight around. That's not what we're here to kind of build you up towards. We're, you know, we're going to help you get fit. But you, you can't even get to that point with a lot of people because they've already built up in their mind what it's going to be. They already say, you know, one of the big things I hear all the time, it's been 15 years now. I just want to get a bit fitter before I start with you. So I'll do something else first and I'll come and see you. It's like, no, oh, that's what I'm no. here for. Like, yeah. I am here to get you fit. And, you know, I've had 70-year-olds with knee replacements, never done a day's exercise, walk through the door, and then basically we've turned them around. And we've had you CrossFit Games athletes and everything in between. But 90% of my members are just day-to-day people who want to come in, have fun, get fit, and, you know, feel better about themselves. And that's, 
getting that point across to somebody in the first instance is very hard because yeah. they see all the, the barbells and the weights and they hear maybe the loud music if they come at a certain time of day. And yeah. you're already, you've already meet. You're intimidated. Yeah. You can yeah they've really got a lot have... of barriers up. Yeah, it can be. And I think one of the things about your gym in particular is you're very big on community and community inclusion. Mm-hmm, that's definitely. one thing I know about you guys but I think you've hit the nail on the head I think when you even just pulling into the car park the impression is this is only for the cool kids the cool fit kids mm-hmm. and actually the reality is the community is very much more than that isn't it and that's what people have to remember is is that it's about that thing I talk about just being courageous and just maybe reaching out to you you know having a you know having a conversation with you before you walk in the gym so that they've met you know met met you know have that verbalization of it's going to be okay because yeah. one thing that you do is re- what why has community been at the heart of growing your your crossfit gym why has well, that been important to you for for me as a community point of view, and I'll, I'll talk about the maybe the, the past year and the pandemic and so forth with yeah. my community. But before that, like the true essence for me of getting fit, like the thing that really vibes me about CrossFit rather than like the funk, the sexy functional movements and blah blah blah. Like everyone can dress up their exercise programs however they like. At its core, its core state, our gym is about connecting people. And we have people who, you know, I, we, we've got people who have been married because of this gym, we have had children, you know, met best friends, they go on holiday together and so forth. Yeah. And that to me is worth 10 times more than somebody having a PB on the rower or whatever else that happens. Yeah. Like the, the people that want to train together, like one of the big problems we have at the moment as a gym is at six o'clock in the morning, we have a crew of people that all want to train together and it's beyond capacity we have a waiting list in the morning and i don't want to segregate those people so what we've done is we tried to build around those because it's so nice to me that that group of people want to spend time with each other at six o'clock in the morning every single day i would do not want to speak to anybody till at least seven (laughs) so in terms of yourself as a business like your attention is better if you've got a bunch of members who all text each other oh where were you this morning so forth yeah. They're already doing part of the job for you because they're all so keen to get in with each other. As long as they enjoy what you're doing and you put them first, then you will, you know, you will change things for, for everybody else because you're not just providing a fitness program. You're providing a, a nice place for people to come. You want yeah. this to be the best hour of the day. I say that to my coaches all the time. If this isn't the best hour of the day, you know, like they're either going to the pub afterwards or whatever else. <laughs> But, you know, like what what, it, what we're trying to achieve is a big portion of a positive part of the day. I don't yeah. want them walking out of here feeling like crap. There always will be, you know, somebody has a bad workout or so forth. But as a whole, people are going to drag themselves out of bed at five o'clock in the morning and they're going to drive here. And by the end of the session, they're going to be sweating, high-fiving and, you know, loving life again. And, and I have to say, I, I have met some of my dearest friends through your gym. You have? Yeah, absolutely. So have I. Yeah, I've met some of my dearest friends through your gym, which is insanely amazing. So we are in the I, I, action. I've got a godson because of because of the gym. I, it's just it's crazy how much it's it escalates. Insane. Yeah, it yeah. is. And it's a huge, huge connection and community that has done a great things. Okay, so we're in the action. You've talked a lot about having conversations, getting under the heart, getting under the bonnet of what's really at the heart of somebody wanting to change. 
really what it means to be a business owner and the struggles that you've had in Mm -hmm. moving forward like what actions do you need to take in the next three months Mike to get you where you want you and your business to be well I think you get to a point where you think you you've done it all and there's no room for maneuver or for growth and so forth and that's where you know at the moment I'm thinking about how we streamline the business better to not only give me more time as a business owner, because you can, even when you when you systemize the business, and I just t- 10 times more, as you know, of, of, of the business that I need to systemize, and we're working towards that. Um, but it can be such an overwhelming thing that you actually leave yourself no space to give yourself any growth and to give yourself a bit of headspace to do your own thing. You know, it's only been this past year, year and a half, that I've truly like started exercising as much as I'd like to exercise because before that I was always sick, tired, and stressed from the business. Whereas being able to create better boundaries with the business now, where I'm I'm, I'm maintaining fitness for myself and enjoying everybody else's. So for me, the next point really is to help streamline the business better, to help it grow and give it a future and make sure it's thriving still, but also to making sure that it's working for me because. You've taught me now, really, but I can't. There's so many times that I've just put everything. Well, as long as the business is alright, as long as the business is, alright, it's like, well, no, it's got to be as long as you're alright. Yeah, you are the business in a lot of essences, you know. And one of my one of my favourite sayings is, "Don't kill the golden goose." And what, you are the leader of that business. So when I see Mike Madden giving it all away, all his energy away, I'm like, yeah, he's going to be knackered for about a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is always the way, you know, you do a big event or you spend hours and hours on the floor coaching because it was only about a year ago that I was still coaching a lot of classes here and it, whenever there was cover problems, I'd be covering. And it got to a point where I was like, I cannot do this anymore because my creative brain has only got a finite amount of energy and I had no creativity left because I was coaching all the time and I was stressed out. And then I wasn't training and I wasn't in a healthy place. So I'm preaching the word of fitness to everyone, whereas inside I wasn't following it because I'd left little for myself to be able to, to do that. What's your favourite way to train for you at this moment? So uh, one of the things that we, we all know, it can be quite cyclical. What's, one of the, what's your favourite thing to do for yourself in terms of training? I found two passions. I mean, obviously, everyone takes a mickey at me because I've become a cyclist. Um, Why? It's an amazing thing to do. Why? I don't get. I think middle. I think middle-aged man in lycra is a. It's something you've got to embrace, isn't it? (laughs) Um, But for me, like cycling, I've been around the endurance community for a long, long time. Like I do strength and conditioning sessions for the Manchester Triathlon Club once a week at the gym. Uh, I've trained multiple triathletes for multiple events from sprint triathlons to Ironman. Um, but within that, I, I, I bought a bike 10 years ago because one of my friends uh, had cancer. She had a brain tumor, very serious. And I wanted to raise some money for the Christie. So I bought a bike and I cycled from London to Paris. So within that last 10 years, I've always had a bike, but not really kind of, it's been just gathering dust in the shed, but the pandemic hit. And I just need, like a lot of us, I just needed to get out of the house. And what I found with cycling, it was, it's not just the form of exercise that it was for me. For me as a business owner, there was no, my phone wasn't on me. So no one could text me. No, I couldn't check my emails. There was no one to bother me. And I don't mean bother me in a negative way. It's just, you know, no, there's, something that, there's, always something, yeah. 
there's always something that you're needed for. I'm a dad. I've got two young kids. So, you know, there's always like, daddy, 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 daddy. I've got two dogs to look after. You know, I've got to kind of make sure that I'm supporting my wife. So when I'm on my bike, it's me and the bike and nothing else. Maybe sometimes I go out with friends, but they treat me the way I treat my members. I just chat about them. So I become, I become like everybody else. So that was one thing. And then the other thing was meditation because it's something that when I don't do it each day, I feel, I feel like I've missed out now because I enjoy it. And I only do 10 minutes mainly most days. But again, I think for me as a business owner, the two things that I've picked both give me headspace. So yes. that's, that's maybe yeah. what it's about. Yeah. It's Whereas that, if, when if, that... if, I'm, if I'm working out, sorry, Joe, if I'm working out no. my gym, like I'm looking at, oh, why is that corner of the gym dirty? Or why have we not done this? I'm distracted constantly. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's a busman's holiday, so you never truly get away from it. I love mm-hmm. the facts. You know, whether there is something about that needs to be said about middle-aged men in Lycra, I love the fact that you're getting out and getting out on your bike where you can just find that peace and clear everything out that's in your bandwidth and just find that centre for yourself. It's amazing because I know that is actually, in all the years that I've known you, that has been one of the biggest challenges is to get you to think about yourself. Yeah, put me first. You know, I've, 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 yeah. I've trained people for years where I've just been sick and unhealthy, but putting on the pretense that I'm fit because I've not given myself the time to allow myself to be fit or the headspace because yeah. I, I was so concerned about the business that I actually was being detriment to myself and the business because I wasn't getting to the point. You start resenting it because you're not yeah. fit. You know, I got into this industry from a passion of getting myself fit. I wasn't always... I wasn't one of your typical guys that was good at uh, sport at school and just transitioned into being a PT. I, you know, I was one of the smaller, skinniest kids at school, had a bit of trouble with that, didn't really get involved with exercise in my early 20s because I was partying too hard and not taking care of myself and found a passion for it that way. So mm-hmm. for me, I turned it around, this passion turned it into a job, but then allowed the job to kind of consume me a little bit too much. Yeah. I think I think that's one of the things that we see in a lot of visionary business owners, entrepreneurial type, is that all of a sudden you can wake up and go, how did the life get to all be about the business? Yeah, and every single day I'll come in and I'm very grateful to have this business. Yeah, I've, I've had a week off. This is the first day I've been back at the gym because we had a nice family holiday. But being able to go on holiday, switch off from the gym, know it's going to be all right, and give yourself that headspace. You don't resent it anymore. I remember holidays years ago where I was dealing with really nasty stuff, like uh, you know, like stuff that I wouldn't want to be dealing with on a holiday because I'd not, you know, I'd not got full control of the business yet, or full control of myself as a business owner. So you're going on holiday and having these meltdowns where you're trying to chill out, and that's not a nice place to be. So I've got myself to a point where you can have a holiday, and it's nice to have a holiday, and everything's fine. Yeah. So as our final question, mm-hmm. what advice would you offer new and future leaders or business owners? What would be the one thing that you'd say, get that sorted first? Just get help straight away. Don't don't even think about it. Like in terms of if, if you, you know, if, if you're great at systems, let's say you come from a systems background and you've got all the best systems in the world. It doesn't matter how good your systems are if you've got no advice on marketing or how to structure or how to sell yourself. So you might need sales and marketing advice. 
Or if you're someone like me, you might have needed system, you know, to systemize the business and to create boundaries with staff and so forth. But ultimately, none of us are good at everything. So I think, you know, if you can't even, you know, if you can't get everything done yourself, you need to find help. Or, or if you want to do everything yourself, you need to help have someone to help you develop that system to be able to do that and manage your time better. Brilliant advice. It is. It's all about learning to delegate, isn't it? And build the team around you so that you can not only run a great organization and be a great leader, but have a brilliant life outside of that as well. Um, And I think that's the essence, isn't it? Delegation and building people that support you rather than drain you. Definitely. Absolutely. Yep. You've got to enjoy your work, haven't you? You have to enjoy your work. You have to enjoy your work, but you have to really enjoy life outside of it as well. Michael Madden, you have been a fantastic guest of the Stop, Pause, Think Now podcast. You'll be able to find all details on Mike Madden in the details below, how you can go and take a session at his gym, how you can actually go and book a PT with Mike. I would highly recommend it. Um, And we will make sure all the details are before. Mike, thank you ever so much. Thanks for having me, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.